A new Netflix documentary showcases Kai, the hatchet-wielding homeless man, and his rise to fame, and the Hollywood elites that enabled that rise to fame and why that's a problem. Yeah, a homeless, hatchet-wielding dude is a problem. Surprise, surprise. But that's the point of today's show, is we'll see how elitists, like even Joe Biden, handle top-secret documents. And then finally, we'll look at the Golden Globes, and let's just say Gerard Carmichael's hosting of the Golden Globes was no laughing matter. And the real issue is, well, he's a comedian, and it was supposed to be funny. Uh, but some people are calling it subversive. Was it subversive or just not good? We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Our show today is sponsored by our friends over at Anchor.biz. If you're looking for small business solutions, maybe you need to hire some new people because those old people are starting to get on your nerves, or maybe you just need some help in the payroll department or in the accounting department and bookkeeping and all of the things that come along, especially with owning a small business and you need some help from the experts. Well, we're talking about elitism today and why the experts are not really the experts and how that even happened. So you can trust that maybe if you're not an expert, you can lean upon people that are in anchor.biz is your one-stop shop for people who can help put legs underneath your vision. The experts over there can help you with all the things I just mentioned and so much more. But to figure out how they can help you, you need to go to ancur.biz. That's ancur.biz today to see all that they can offer your small business. And when you do so, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Now, last week on the show, I discussed Prince Harry, and I wanted to start the show with him just because I received a couple of comments that were very similar in nature that I felt needed to be addressed. And some of those comments range from Harry's a hero, he's a whistleblower, and he's just telling his side of the story, um, uh, to people who express great sympathy with, with him. Now, I, on the other hand, believe that Harry is somebody who also deserves a little bit of scorn. Now, let me be really clear. I think it's way easier for us to express scorn than sympathy. And everyone that is a child of God deserves some level of sympathy, especially a young man whose mother died and who was, uh, you know, on public display through some of his most difficult situations in life from a very early age. So, sure, he deserves some sympathy. But I find it hard to give a whole lot of sympathy, especially when, for instance, a lot of people just lost their parents at a very public way from COVID as a result of most likely a virus that was created in a lab. So I think that there should be a little bit of recognition of the fact that Harry has had a very pampered lifestyle compared to most people. And so I thought it fitting to address some of those comments. So I want to do it right here as we open the show because it will bridge the gap for everything that I want to talk about today. So there's just a couple of glaring problems with expressing great sympathy for Harry and not a little scorn. And the first one is this, is that almost everything that that man has said about his family in the public is a lie. He called Rupert Murdoch evil. He said no human being in 300,000 year history of our species has done more damage to our collective sense of reality. Really? We don't even get Hitler, Stalin, Nicole Hannah-Jones. We get Rupert Murdoch. What do you expect from a guy with penis trauma? The penis was oscillating between extremely sensitive and borderline traumatized. He labeled the royal staff as racist when in fact it's well recorded that Meghan bullied the staff much like she probably does her own husband. 
and he blamed the press for a Taliban attack on a military base where he was stationed when actually the military initially released the info, not the press. And the investigations into the attack revealed that it was planned way before any of that information was ever released. He blames the paparazzi for killing his mother, but of course it later emerged that the paparazzi were nowhere near Diana when she was in her accident, and that Diana was not wearing a seatbelt and it could have saved her life when her drunken driver lost control and crashed the Mercedes into a concrete pillar that killed both of them. And by the way, she wasn't wearing a seatbelt that could have saved her life when her drunken driver lost control and crashed that Mercedes into a concrete pillar. Most importantly, here's the second thing. Even if many of the claims that Harry makes in the book or on the regular were true, it comes from a source that shouldn't be trusted. Harry's no hero, and certainly not an intellect we should want to hear from. Heroes wear capes, by the way. They fight crime, and they don't marry actresses. Oh, yeah. And heroes turn hardships into characters. See, Batman is a hero not only because he wears a cape. He is a hero because he does what is what's best about humanity. He takes tragedy and he turns it into triumph. He throws freaking batarangs and he knows karate, which is also kind of cool too. But he made himself better as a result of his difficulty. He turned his tragedy into triumph by being a better human, not by blowing the whistle on others. In a culture obsessed with equity, we've complained about meritocracy so long we no longer mind mediocrity. And so we're willing to buy 1.4 million copies of a book by a guy who complains about how hard his life has been as a freaking prince. The dude is so alarmed by difficulty because he's had such a bubble-wrapped life that he had someone write a book for him about it. By the way, he didn't write the book. You know this, right? And the book details things that the average human says, yes, I deal with this on an everyday basis. You know, issues with my family, substance abuse. Welcome to the human race. Our culture today is so desperate for meaning, it falls in love with anything. Cat videos and, yes, the Kardashians. We should be celebrating titans of industry, intellect, people of great wisdom and skill and experience. But instead, I'm talking about this dude today. With so much railing against elites in society, I want to remind you, it's not elitism that's the problem. It's the people who make up our elite class that is the problem. Socrates suggests that a society will be determined by those it looks up to, and as a result, we need poet philosophers for kings. But this is what we get. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him... I was going to put him... I was going to put him... Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking about mere credentialism, like people that have degrees and awards and are given notoriety simply by the people who don't deserve to give notoriety in the first place. I'm not talking about mere credentialism. George Orwell said it this way. He said, some ideas are so stupid that they can only come from the most educated people. Um, and so I'm not kind of talking about the credentialism that just means mere paper, but I'm talking about the kind of skill and wisdom and intellect that comes from people who are truly qualified to speak on issues. I'm talking about the kind of people who have a self-evidencing quality that they know what they're talking about and deserve to be heard. And this is a pro problem in the church too, by the way. We've seen for far too long that cool clothes and a banging Instagram account is all that you need rather than an ability to critically think through the doctrines of the Christian faith and explain them in a way that makes sense to people, right? Because this is the issue with, with people and leaving the church. I've said it many times on the show. While our culture is telling us that people are leaving Christianity because it's too judgy and it won't get with the times, the reality is the vast majority of people who are polled say they leave church because Christian pastors 
and Christian leaders are not equipping people with the answers that they are most desperately looking for in society. Questions like, how do faith and science coexist together? What is the ultimate meaning and purpose of, of life? Instead, we get skinny jeans. So no wonder the church is increasingly becoming woke because it can't think through some of the most obvious and ridiculous no, ridiculous notions of our woke culture. You know, we ask the questions, how can a Christian be pro-life and pro-border? Like, don't even get me started, man. But let's just say that the institutions in our society are being overrun with woke ideology because the vast majority of the people running them are not qualified to run them. So if we find that our institutions are being overrun by ideologues rather than hard workers and people who have a teachable mind, then we might need to reevaluate what we value. And by the way, our institutions are overrun with nimrods, as we'll see in our top stories. Now, in Christianity Not Today, we go over some things that are going on today that are perhaps not Christian, or at least we can provide a Christian prescription too. As we move further from the faith in the West, we see that more and more things like what we're going to be talking about today are happening, and we're talking about um, kind of our elites and how easily they are deceived simply because they wish to be. And so we're looking today at a new Netflix show that the last I looked was number two in the United States. So it's getting a lot of traction. And this is about Kai, the hatchet-wielding homeless guy. Um, Kai, the hatchet-wielding homeless guy. Uh, And uh, he had a kind of momentary, uh, you know, rise to fame because of the fact that he was a hatchet-wielding homeless man, and no one ever deigned to ask the question, why is a homeless dude running around with a hatchet, and why are we not asking more questions? Rather, instead, our Hollywood elites and other elites quickly promoted Kai to the ranks of being on the Jimmy Kimmel Show and other places, and started throwing music deals, among other things, at this guy. Now, the documentary tries to do the best it can to explain how uh, our culture, our society, and our elites wanted to, to promote him and how it made sense at the time. I think the documentary fails, and rather, the documentary is a great expose on how foolish the people that we have in places of power actually are. They have some very mistaken emotional notions that are not rooted in reality because most of our cultural elites are protected from it. But to catch you up on the story, I'll let you see the trailer, which you can see here. Have you heard about Kai, the hitchhiking hatchet hero? This dude went from this heroic, beautiful person to wanted for murder. An absolute bizarre scene here in West Fresno. A man plows his car into a PG&E worker, pinning him against his truck. Two women are trying to help him. He runs up and he grabs one of them, man. So I f-ing ran up behind him with a hatchet. Smash, smash, smash. Everyone around the world wanted a piece of this kid. How do you know this guy? The internet, man. Is that really you? How did it make you feel though being this viral sensation? I'm not a virus, I'm a sensation. I'm Kai. Most people that are heroes are not homeless people. There was something funny about him and kind of cute and sweet and innocent. 
He has such an endearing quality. There's so, so much charisma. Before I say anything else, I want to say no matter what you've done, you deserve respect. Even if you make mistakes, you're worthwhile. If you're going to glorify someone, you better know who you're glorifying. Kai, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker, he's been arrested for allegedly taking the life of a man in New Jersey. There was no forced entry, but under the computer is a phone number with the name Lawrence Kai. So that's right, a homeless guy walking around with a hatchet wasn't enough to give some pause to people, or the fact that he busted a dude repeatedly in the head with this hatchet. Um, unnecessarily using a level of force that to stop something that was happening uh, that should have given everybody pause. No, rather, what our Hollywood elites did was jump on the fact that the video of this guy being on the news and in other places went viral. His weird demeanor never sparked people or struck people as incredibly odd. It just struck people as funny. And so... Kai, like I said, found himself on places like the Jimmy Kimmel Show and even a Hollywood producer who wanted to give him his own reality TV show. Now, it seems really clear to me that from the outset, what we're dealing with here is a group of people, a group of specifically Hollywood elites, who have no understanding about what homelessness actually is. See, from my experience with homelessness and from everything that you can really read on the subject. Um, and, and, and I would encourage personal experience with this kind of thing as much as possible. But, but most elites kind of live in these bubble-wrapped kind of uh, bubble-like lives that don't actually interact with homeless people. So the only thing they can do is lean upon what they hear in the news rather than leaning on actual experience or actual wisdom about the subject to speak to one person, whether it be somebody who deals with the homeless or somebody who works in social work, and they will tell you. The vast majority of homeless people are dealing with either mental issues that desperately need attention or dealing with an incredible level of drug addiction that has caused them to choose homelessness as a result of their substance abuse. See, the Hollywood liberal, the social elite, thinks that all the homeless need is a hand up. All the homeless need is enough money to buy a home and then they won't be homeless. But they never ask themselves, why is the person homeless in the first place? Because they always automatically assume that the reason they're homeless is because of capitalism and capitalistic pigs who wish to make sure that they take all the money for themselves and not leave any of the rest of it for anybody else. So homeless people in the mind of a social elite homelessness is is a predicament that has been thrust upon these people rather than a decision that they have actually made. And I know it will come as a surprise to some of you who uh, don't think for yourself on this issue, but homelessness is almost entirely a problem created by the person who is homeless. Now, I know there are exceptions to that rule, and I don't wish to come off as dispassionate about this subject and the plight of these people, but the reality is, is we've got to get to the source if we're ever actually going to solve the problem. And the reason they're struggling with the issue is because of a bunch of bleeding heart liberals who think that it is more humane to allow people to live on the street in their own feces rather than to actually eradicate this problem, to put people who have mental health issues in mental health hospitals and keep them there against their will, and to help people with substance abuse issues either by putting them in jail or 
by trying to put them in some type of treatment facility. And if we find that neither one of those things work, then we might have to actually have a real substantive conversation about the real solution rather than just allowing tens of thousands of people to sleep, tens of thousands of people to sleep in homeless camps in and around LA. But see, this is not the conversation we're having. People like Karen Bass, who is the mayor of LA, said that she will be spending $1.2 billion to try to solve the homelessness issue, especially in LA. And she's asking other places in and around California to give to help her toward this cause. This is much like the $100 million that was spent not so long ago by the predecessor of Karen Bass, and that only multiplied the issue even more. Now, you may be asking yourself, what is this $1.2 billion going to go towards uh, to fix homelessness in and around L.A. And if you guessed that that money would specifically be going to help build and make houses for homeless people, you would be correct. Now, these people never venture to ask, what are the homeless people who do not have any capacity to actually maintain and keep up a home going to do with this home once they've spent $1.2 billion of taxpayer money on this issue? Of course, we perhaps know what's going to happen, is what is today a state of emergency will become a national emergency where now our tax dollars go even more to California so that they can misappropriate them in the most foolish ways. See, this is the problem with so many of our social elites today. Rather than being effective uh, problem solvers, they are people who lead with emotions first rather than intellect. They lack the prerequisite mental capacity to actually lead the, the, the states and the organizations that they're, that they're leading, which brings us to, I guess, perhaps where you might know I'm going next, which brings us to Joe Biden. Now, this Biden document story is something that I really think we need to pay attention to because not only is it taking on a life of its own, but it is also a very clear example of our social elites and how incompetent they are to do the most basic things, especially the most important things like lead the country, because when Joe Biden was the vice president, he took classified documents and apparently left them everywhere. Now, we're supposed to believe that because he left it next to his prized Corvette, that uh, the same level of care that a Corvette deserves is what classified documents deserves. But of course, we know that's ridiculous because we're hearing now that during uh, some of the time that those documents were there, Hunter Biden was actually the person living in that home. Now, I don't know if you remember Hunter Biden, but uh, he did have a laptop that was supposedly Russian disinformation. But from that laptop, we learned a couple things. We learned that he is just great with, the, with, with hookers, and he's great with crack cocaine. Fantastic history of both of those things. Among other things that we've also learned about Hunter Biden, that he loves picking up bags of cash in the Ukraine and working with Chinese businessmen that are oligarchs for some odd reason, when other than the fact that he's the smartest person Joe Biden knows, the only claim to fame that he has is cracking hookers. So it's at least a little bit troubling and very possible that while Hunter Biden was living in that home, he used those documents uh, and traded secrets to foreign powers for money. And we just learned too that the supposed rent of that home, um, so Joe Biden was charging his son rent, supposedly, even though Joe Biden doesn't need the money, was charging his son rent. And wouldn't you guess it, the rent for this home in Delaware, not the Fiji Islands or on an exotic remote island somewhere, this home 
in Delaware rented for around $50,000 each month. Now, that sounds completely plausible. Or, counterpoint, it actually sounds like this guy is doing something fishy with his tax returns. So I would love to hear the Democrats start start vying for and taking Joe Biden to court so that they can get his tax returns. Probably never see those, but it's it's perfectly it's perfectly fair to suggest that Joe Biden perhaps was in cahoots with his son and perhaps even stealing secrets uh, or providing secrets to foreign powers and had knowledge of this. Or maybe perhaps even Hunter did it and uh, Joe didn't have knowledge of it, but it certainly would be his fault if this took place. Now, I want to be careful because I think it's real important to follow the example that we, not to demonize our opponents and to try to attribute to ignorance where you could often attribute um, malice. So, So in order not to do that, I want to step back and just say that I think it's perfectly plausible that Joe Biden didn't know any of this stuff was going on because the man basically doesn't know what's going on on a regular basis. So there's no sense in getting all upset about the fact that Joe Biden's going to get away with this because Donald Trump probably is as well. Again, the more important question is just simply this. Why are we trusting our country to a man who can't even handle a box of confidential papers? I mean, this is the real issue at the end of the day. I think this underscores how not only incompetent our elites are, but how we enable them because we are so polarized and so partisan. Democrats will vote for Joe Biden again in 2024 unless something else happens. Because we don't value skill, we don't value ability, and we don't value wisdom. We value feelings. And we want the feeling that grandpa will tuck us in to bed at night and we'll sleep, sleep safely knowing that orange bad man won't come anywhere near us. But there is no telling what grandpa is doing when we go to sleep because he doesn't even know what he's doing when, he, when we go to sleep, especially when he doesn't take his meds. Let's just be really, really honest here, guys. A lot of people will say, well, Trump was not a good guy. Trump was a philanderer. How can you Christians even vote for him? It's because Hillary Clinton was on the other part of that ticket. You know, remember her, the one that wanted partial birth abortions? And remember Trump, the guy that actually voted for Supreme Court justices who overruled uh, Roe v. Wade because it was unconstitutional? So say what you will about the guy, but Republicans here come off a lot more consistent than, than Democrats do in this situation. And, and, and the point I guess I would make is this, is that if we continue to just vote along party lines rather than use our brains on these issues, then we are enabling the kind of elites that are in positions of power that don't deserve positions of power. We're, we're, we're pity voting just simply because we identify as blue rather than voting according to our conscience and according to, more importantly, for those of us who are Christians, according to Scripture. But speaking of pity, pity laughs could be heard among those in the crowd at the most recent Golden Globes Awards. And um, Jared Carmichael, who was a comedian I had never heard of before, uh, was the host that day. And so let's just say that uh, what we saw that at that event was neither funny, nor brave, nor profound. But of course, the news media wants us to think that it was completely subversive and edgy and risky. But really all it was was dull and boring and preachy, as most woke culture is this day. But I'll let you check it out for yourself.
I am your host, Gerard Carmichael. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. And I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm here because I'm black. I'll catch everyone in the room up. If you settle down a little bit, I'll tell you what's been going on. This show, the Golden Globe Awards, did not air last year because the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which I, I won't say they were a racist organization, but they didn't have a single black member until George Floyd died. So do with that information what you will. I'll tell you how I got here. Why am I here on the stage with you guys tonight? Well, I was at home. <clears throat> drinking tea, and I got a phone call from my man, Stephen Hill. Uh, Stephen Hill is a great producer, and he said, Gerard, really, I'm honored to be making this phone call. He said, uh, I'm producing the 80th Golden Globes, and it would be an honor if you would agree to join as the host. So Carmichael would go on to suggest that he was placed in this position because, yes, he is a talented and skilled black man, but ultimately because he got paid a bunch of money to be the host of the Golden Globes. Now, we all know why he really was the host of the Golden Globes, because he's black and because he's a homosexual. So he checks the intersectionality boxes to the best of the Hollywood foreign press's ability to, to do so. And that's why he was really there. So let's just talk a little bit about not only his, his introductory monologue, but also his performance throughout the show. It was patently unfunny. Now, I know this is going to sound like shut up and dribble um, and, and like I'm saying shut up and be funny, but I'm not just merely saying that, but I, but I am saying this, that if you're a comedian, which is what the Golden Globes typically hires to, to host the show, if you're a comedian, you should at least be a little funny and nothing that was said the whole night was in the least funny at all. And um, so I think it's only I think it's only fitting that uh, we have a brief montage as we say rest in peace to a truly funny Golden Globes host, Ricky Gervais. You are truly, truly missed. Talking of all you perverts, it was a big year. It was a big year for paedophile movies. Um, surviving R. Kelly, leaving Neverland, two popes. I like a drink as much as the next man. Unless the next man is Mel Gibson. Um, season two is on the way, so in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. Shut up! I know he's your friend, but I don't care. If you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your god, and f*** off, OK? Born in England, she came to America and has taken Hollywood by storm. The star of the nominated movie, The Danish Girl, please... It's a dude.
All right, so Ricky will surely be missed, but in in the meantime, we have a guy that's not funny and not brave. Places like Vogue are claiming that Gerard Carmichael was incredibly subversive and edgy when he gave this talk as he sat on the stairs and got all Mr. Rogers with everybody. But of course, there couldn't be anything further from the truth. He's, He's not brave for castigating a bunch of wealthy white people. I mean, these guys love this stuff. Um, I mean, this group of Hollywood elites that don't have any way of truly repenting because they've totally rejected God in their life need some way to absolve themselves of guilt. And so this is kind of like their annual pilgrimage, I guess, is to go to the Golden Globes and to have people call them a bunch of wealthy uh, racist, wealthy white racists, of course, because... You have to be white to be racist. It's a prerequisite now. Um, So, of course, there's nothing brave about this. These guys have heard it a million times, and it's been said a billion times. To be truly brave, you have to say something that is risky. You have to say something that is actually courageous. You have to pay an actual price for what you're saying rather than saying what a bunch of people will wholeheartedly clap along like seals too. Now, the other thing that I must mention too is that even if we say, well, read... Not all comedians say things that are funny. In fact, the best comedians are, are saying things about culture and critiquing culture. And, and I would agree with that point. But, but I would have to tell you, in this instance, not only is it not funny and not brave, it is also not profound. This is a sermon that I think I could have done without uh, and, and died a happy man. The things that are coming out of Gerard Carmichael's mouth are not actually that poignant and that beneficial. I mean, he even admits to himself he's the token black guy that got hired just because of his because of his color. And then at the end of his monologue says, well, the reason I'm really doing this is just for $500,000. So listen, you can't be brave and a sellout and you can't be profound while also being a sellout. So is it too much to ask for us just to return to a system of values where we can finally once again truly discern what bravery looks like and what what funny actually looks like and what profound actually looks like. The Bible says this, God hates an unjust weight. And, and so that means that he hates people who are lying, but he also hates flawed evaluations because you never know what good is if you don't know how to determine what is good. If you don't really understand how to value the good and what the value of good actually means, you'll never know what good is. Maybe if we start with God, we can do what C.S. Lewis said, which is we can aim for heaven and then perhaps get heaven and earth in the process, rather than if we just aim for this earth, we'll get neither. So maybe if we crack open a Bible and we start thinking for ourselves, we can turn our sights onto something that is of transcendent goodness, maybe the transcendent goodness of God, and then we can work our way down from there, and then we can actually end up somewhere reasonable. Without that, we continue to find that the people who are in the most positions of power deserve it the least. Well, There's one way to fix that, and that's by thinking for yourself. So I hope this show was helpful in making you, or at least helping you do that. And if it was, then you can like, share, and subscribe, and comment down below. Oh, and you can also go with God. Thanks for watching.